Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Crash Couch. Uh, we are here to discuss episode three of The Expanse. Uh, season two premiered last week, as of this recording, and we're here to talk about it, just like usual. Uh, I am your host, Chris, uh, and I'm joined tonight by uh, Lou. How are you, Lou? I'm doing well, racing for the big storm up here, but doing well. And Eric, who I believe has gotten infected with a little bit of radiation. Yeah, I'm, I'm still alive. Yeah. I, I don't have right? time left, but yeah. <laughs> so, yes. uh, Eric uh, is unfortunately a little under the weather tonight, but he's here. He's, he's fighting through it just so we I can... I hate it. Yes, just so I, we can I, talk about I, the expanse. My enthusiasm is overwhelming. Because he's a trooper. I'm a trooper. Hey, listen, I wanted to be here to talk about the show because it's an awesome show. And, and as much as I might physically feel miserable, I'm, I'm very excited for how season two's been turning out. And I, I also want to just clarify real quick. This is episode three of season two of The Expanse, but it is the second week. So in yes. week one, we got that mm-hmm. two hour. It wasn't a two hour premiere. It was episodes one and two back to back. Mm-hmm. I hate it when they do that with the numbering systems, but yeah, but you know, in this case though, unlike sometimes where they do like, Oh, we're doing two episodes back to back it's two completely different stories. This actually was one good cohesive, you know, mm-hmm. pair the last week. We right. Cause I hate it when they say, Oh, it's a double episode, but it's really just two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was weird too, because I was watching it live. Uh, I was actually live tweeting from our crash couch Twitter. And I, I realized that it went off at like, 10.35, 10.40 and I said, wait a minute, I thought this was like a, the two hour thing and then I realized that they had limited commercials so that's right. why that's why I didn't go into uh, 11 so. it, it is amazing how short hour long TV shows actually are mm-hmm. you get about 42 minutes on episodes these days it's kind of funny because if you go back to like the, the 60s and 70s I've got the old episodes of Star Trek on DVD and they're like 52 minutes mm-hmm. for an hour-long show. I'm like, oh, wow. You got a lot more over your buck back then. That an hour of TV is actually mm-hmm. a third of it. Mm-hmm. Commercials. commercials. Yeah. But it was, yeah, so this is episode three uh, titled Static. So now we can talk about the part that I talked about last week that we had to cut. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> er- Eric accidentally men- mentioned something last week that we had to cut <sighs> out. Wasn't a spoiler. All I said was, that, yeah, and then holding like, loses his crap on Miller in the hallway. It's like, no, 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 you can't talk about that. I'm like, wait, no, that was the end of the episode. They're like, no, that's the beginning of the next episode. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, anybody didn't see that come. But, I mean, we gotta, we gotta stay true to not spoiling stuff. So Exactly, good, but, exactly. But still. <sighs> so, so what did you guys think of uh, Miller's treatment in this episode? He, he kind of got the shaft. No, I see. Here's the thing. He he knew what he was doing when he pulled the trigger, mm-hmm. and he knew that there were going to be consequences. And uh, he's he's manning up and he's taking them. I mean, it's he he knows where the pieces lie, and uh, he's he's accepting it. Mm-hmm. He, he knew what he was getting himself into, and I don't think he has any regrets about it. And I think that it's good that the show is demonstrating that. You've got Holden, who's playing it very much, no, you don't do that under any circumstance. You know, very much the, the Captain America or, or Superman point of view. And then you've got 
uh, Miller, who's taking, you know, to continue the comic book analogy, I guess the more Punisher point of view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it it makes sense. But, you know, for me, I'm not sure it fits with Holden's, I mean, um, Miller's character. I mean, here's a guy, he was a cop. He's not a great cop. Um, he's now no longer a cop, but he's tracking down Julie because he wants to know what's going on. He's kind of falling in love with this girl just from, you know, digging into her life. And now he goes off and kills this guy. And, you know, what what stake did he have? Why did he really... Justice. Because here's the thing. He was never the greatest cop, though. It's like, I don't see him on the side of justice all the time. No, 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 no. There's a difference between law and justice. And he was never a cop that cared about the law. And most of the uh, rent-a-cops, and I mean that in a literal sense, it was a private firm that mm-hmm. was contracted on Sirius Station to to be the police. They True. had their own opinion of, of how they were going to enforce the law there. And Miller never really cared that much for the law, but he did care for justice. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that this is a perfect example of that. The law would be you don't shoot the guy. Justice would be that you do shoot the guy. Right. Because you almost had both, you know, Holden and Fred Johnson almost coming around to this guy's persuasive talk about, right. you know, hey, I'll work for you. I'll do this. And, you know, you just give me a place to work and I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. And then it was almost like they were almost ready to say yes Yep. And then bang, <laughs> it was like there's a hole in his head. Okay, maybe that's not going to work. And see, I what I wonder is if uh, Fred Johnson had not been coming around, if Miller still would have shot him. I think it's because Fred mm. Johnson was starting to come around to this guy's point of view that Miller's like, no, this guy's just flat out too dangerous to let live. Yeah, I guess it works in that in that respect. I guess. I was just trying to think about him as, you know, if he was really on the side of justice or really on the side of, you know, doing the right thing. And I guess that in this case, it was. Mm-hmm. He, he was always a I mean, if you want to look at the old D&D categories, he would be unlawful good. OK, yeah. <clears throat> See, I thought Miller was a really good contrast to Holden. And the fact that they kind of I mean, as we see later in the episode, they, they kind of, you know, kick him out and say, you know, here's your stuff, you know, go away, leave us alone. Mm. It, it kind of disappointed me because I really wanted to see more of that interaction between uh, Miller and all of the crew members. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to see it later on because, again, I've not read the books. But if <laughs> we can tell you, yeah. And if not, then, you know, that's really disappointing. And I feel like it's it's kind of a, a missed opportunity. What do you guys I will tell you that? I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the two main protagonists of the series uh, continue to have interactions. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, just a general assumption by anybody who's watched TV in the last century. Mm-hmm. No, so I, I think it's safe to say that uh, you know, they're, they're not splitting ties and never going to see each other again. Mm. Um, I, see, I really like how they're doing... Miller and Holden. Uh, going back to the D&D analogy, if uh, Miller is unlawful good, Holden is lawful good. And so you've got... I was going to say, he's kind of chaotic good. Because <laughs> uh, he's well, just Miller... so much in your face about, hey, let's, you know, I just want to get this out there. 
I mean, a little bit more so in the book than in the series so far. Yeah, I, I guess it's chaotic, not unlawful. But I, I guess Miller would be either chaotic or neutral good, whereas I feel like Holden would be more lawful good in the sense that, like, he cares more about the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And there is a way that is in it's right mm-hmm. because it's right, whereas Miller is more about, listen, the ends justify the means. You figure out what the result needs to be and you do whatever it takes to get it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, though, because, uh, you know, comparing this to, to the books, at least, um, in the books, Holden is more about just getting the information out there. He doesn't care who has it. It's just, this is fact, and I'm going to put it out there to anybody who sees it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really portrayed that way in the TV series. It's not, because um, I, I think they don't have enough time. I think it's one of those things mm-hmm. where applied. And in the book, it's demonstrated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, that being said, back to the, the Holden and Miller thing, I, I like the fact that they've got that split there. Chris, I know it's disappointing. Um, it will pay off later. Okay. But I like the fact that from Holden's point of view, he knows that he and Miller care about the same things. But given everything that's happened to them, I mean, keep in mind, it hasn't been that long since the Canterbury exploded mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. right right he really needs and he's he and his crew are in a mess i mean there's the the protomolecule thing going on now he's tied up he's got a martian ship he's from earth he's tied up with the opa and fred johnson like he is there's no place to run and hide like he's got no home right now he needs to know that without question he can count on the people that are at his back and miller while he knows that miller wants the same end result, he can't trust how Miller's going to get there. Miller's this wild card that he can't, Holden just can't rely on and doesn't know what Miller's going to actually end up doing. And so that is completely incompatible with what Holden needs in his crew right now. So he has to get rid of Miller. Right. And, and unlike us who have seen Miller for, you know, all of season one, He's only been with him on one small mission. A few yeah. minutes, yeah. He's all but a hitchhiker. Mm. Right. That's, a, that's another really good point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel like... I, I know that there are some viewers out there who, who might feel a little taken aback by this because it's not typical storytelling. Normally, you have heroes starting out at different points and you bring them all together. Well... Mm. What these story writers did is they had heroes start out at different points. They bring them all together, and they're like, wait a minute. You guys aren't brothers. You guys aren't the same person. You guys have totally different approaches to things. You're going to clash. And they do clash, and then that they, they bounce off of each other into yeah. different directions again. So it, in all honesty, it's more realistic, and I think it's more compelling storytelling. I can see that. And it's another way in which this series separates itself from everything else that's out there. Mm. It does make sense. It's not what you're expecting. It's not really what you want. But it is what makes sense when you stop and think about it. Yeah. I, I guess I just, I don't want, I, I, I really liked when we had everyone kind of together and you didn't have to really worry in the back of your mind what, you know, each character was going through and how, you know, all kind of the three main objects or the three main storylines, you know, related to each other. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, ju- I just hope that this, that story trend doesn't come back. 
that make sense? Mm. Chris, I think, how do I put this carefully? In the long run, like looking at the six novels, I think that overall you're going to be happy where things go. You're going to have some disappointments along the way. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, pretty disappointing. But I think that overall you will be very satisfied instead. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. So what else do we have from, uh, I guess we haven't really talked very much yet about, can we talk about Bobby real quick? Yes. Sure. Now, be- she be- before, be- before you else. guys get into it, I just want to huh. say that I really liked her introduction uh, from this first episode, that that first scene. And I, I like kind of like the way they were going in the first two episodes, but this one, a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. And since okay. both of you have read, have read the books, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, the way you guys are seeing things. With, again, without spoilers, but... Mm-hmm. Well, well uh, go ahead. I, I was just saying, I, I'm, I'm currently rereading uh, Leviathan Wake, so I haven't gotten to the part where they introduced Bobby in book two yet, but it, it, it's, it's a... It's a pretty big contrast for what we see here on the TV series now versus what they introduced right in, in the book. And I'm trying to remember exactly how she was – well, I, I shouldn't say. I, I, I'm trying to think of how they brought her into the story after her initial um, reveal in the books. I can't remember what that first interaction was. But I don't think we can talk about her really without talking about what's going on between Earth and Mars. Yeah, I, I... – I could I could tell you, but I can't tell you on the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but but I mean, it, you know, if you think about what she's doing and going through and what her changes to her character are, um, it's really because of what's going on in the in the larger environment. Um, you know, Earth and Mars are becoming more at odds, and she is taking the point of view of, you know, I'm I'm from Mars. I want to end this war by just going in and destroying the Earthlings. You know, uh, the Earthers. It's just, you know, th- she is just a hell bit now on winning. And there really isn't even a shooting war yet. I'm, yeah. See, and, and to me, that feels very different from the books. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I forgive them because I think I see where they're going with it. I don't like it as much. Um,. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. They don't, I don't like it as much because they're, it's almost like they're, they're trying to find an excuse to bring her into the story earlier. Well, and I think the reason they're doing that is so that they can show instead of tell. And overall, I, I appreciate that manner of storytelling. And I think that they are going to save a lot of exposition throughout this season by being mm-hmm. able to bring Bobby into it. And that's why they brought Avasar... Avasavarala? See, now I have to relearn how to pronounce her name because the audiobooks are different. Yeah, the audiobook is uh, Avasarala. The TV show is uh, Avasarala. Avasarala, right. Okay. Um, But she's worked out really well this first season, but she doesn't Mm -hmm. show up in the books until the second book. Right. Well, she's been able to demonstrate what's been going on uh, politically. Yeah. Without having. They're giving us a lot more context to the tensions between Earth and Mars. Right in in the series, and we didn't get any of that early in book one. I mean, you knew there was tensions, but I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you listen, watch the TV show, and you're like, okay, they're talking about wiping out Mars and Mars wiping out Earth. It's like, wow, right? I did not get that from the, from the Wyatt and Wakes at all. 
And so in the same, well, plus they have to speed up that tension a little bit too uh, for the sake of television versus a novel. So I think they're doing what they've done for season one with Abasarala, they're doing in season two with Bobby. And I appreciate that. And the other thing that they're doing with Bobby as a character, I don't like, but I can appreciate it. Uh, You guys have both watched Babylon five, correct? No. Yes. Okay. Chris, you've not. Okay. Well, Lou, if you recall, one of the biggest things about Babylon 5, especially in comparison to a lot of the Star Trek series that it was compared to, the characters in season one, or two in the case of Sheridan, versus those same characters at the end of season five, radically different. Oh, yeah. Garibaldi is radically different. Mm-hmm. Ivanova, radically different. Sheridan, radically different. Every single character goes through these massive character development arcs mm-hmm. and uh and i think that was one of the the brilliant parts of that show in jms as a writer and mm-hmm. i think what they're doing is they're they're possibly swinging the pendulum a little bit further back with bobby than they initially do in the book um, because the tensions are a lot higher in the show than they are in the book mm-hmm. I, I think that they're throwing in bobby uh, with a little more angst, and I think that's what I don't like about her at the moment, is I never felt like she was quite that angsty. No, you're right. It does make sense, though. I, if you have a war, and you want the war to be over... I mean, your enemy is your enemy, and yeah. Right. If you're a politician, you get everybody to the bargaining table. If you're a soldier, you eliminate the enemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a hammer, every problem's like a nail. So... It makes sense that she's like this, but I think they did a really good introduction with her in the first episode. The second episode, she, and I think a little bit, I, I don't know how I feel about, about the third episode yet, but in the second episode, she stalls a little bit, though I do love her XO. I, I was mentioning him last episode. I yeah. hope he's around. Um, I like him as an actor. I didn't know this Joel in our uh, Slack uh, community for Random Chatter pointed out that he was in a band. Really? Lead singer in some Canadian rock band and, and uh, like a punk band. Yeah, and they, oh, there's wow. like a documentary on them and everything. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And apparently they've got a following. Uh, like, and they're really good. Jeez. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I love the actor. He's the guy that was on, um, oh, is it Flashpoint? The, the Canadian SWAT team show that... Anyway, uh, I hope they do more with him, uh, and I'm curious what they're going to do with the rest of Bobby's crew. Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm kind of starting to like them a little bit more than I am Bobby, and it's mm-hmm. it's not really because of her per se. It's just that they've they've not really fleshed her out, and I that might be like we might go back at the end of the season and and say to ourselves, well, I'm glad that they kind of held off on her and just really focused on the, the angsty part. And then, you know, later on, once once she becomes more involved in the story, she gets more, um, not involved, but... Yeah, but exactly evolved. I, I think that it will show more of an involvement yeah. with them doing it this way. Right now, she's cardboard. Yeah. I mean, she's shallow mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the moment. Yeah. That will change, but for now, it's difficult to watch if you're familiar with her from the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. 
So what else did you guys like or dislike about this episode? I mean, there, there really wasn't too much that went on, but I, I feel like we got some important story beats. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't an action-filled episode, but it was an important episode. Yeah, yeah, it was putting, I think, like like we said before, it's just kind of putting the pieces in place for the next step of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to move uh, you know them into position to do what they're going to do next, so this is by far the slowest episode so far of the season. Yeah. But now, we also learn why. So it's not slow mm-hmm. and uninteresting. It's slow and meaningful. It, it's it, We feel more well-informed, I think, now about what's going on. And I think that that puts the viewer in a much more comfortable place right now than they were through a lot of episode one, where a lot of it was still, okay, I'm, I think I'm... I'm keeping up so far and I'm hopeful for where things are going, but I hope it delivers. Like now we've seen it deliver mm-hmm. and we see that it's still moving forward and, and we can kind of tell a little bit more about what directions we're taking moving forward. So, yeah. so, so we had the big movement on the plot story for the, the, the scientists that they abducted from uh Thulf station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they got him, him on ice and they're trying to get information out of him. And we learned that, not only is he just, you know, uncooperative, but he's been altered by who's ever running the project. So he doesn't feel any empathy for anybody. He just cares about himself and what he's doing for research. So now we know why he can kill hundreds of thousands of people on Eros and not feel bad about it. It's just a science experiment to him. Mm-hmm. You know, they've actually altered his brain to not feel empathy. And I, yeah, that was a- I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> I did a girl like that once, um, but um, you know, I, I thought his his storyline so far has been really good, and I did like the way that that Amos um, was able to get him talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he kind of goes in and almost kind of befriends him, gives him a little bit of detail, and the guy starts spilling his guts, and Amos is like, "You okay?" Doesn't even say thanks, just walks out because like, but aren't you going to tell me more? And he was mm-hmm. really anxious to hear what was going on because he wants to know what his experiment's doing on arrows and it's still going on. Um, and that's there's... great too, because with, with Amos walking out like that, it, the, the conversation, it makes you wonder, okay, is Amos playing this guy or is Amos really also a bit sociopathic because Amos doesn't always display a lot of empathy either. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Amos walks out and doesn't give a crap is to what the guy feels about him walking out or whether or not there's any resolution for that guy, which ironically is also displaying a lack of empathy. It shows that Amos doesn't really care about the guy at all. He was just an ends to the mean or a means to the end. And and he was, Mm -hmm. you know, he was playing the guy all along. Yep. And we did learn that Eros is definitely broadcasting, not just to Thoth station, but everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had that, that weird scene with, um, Miller shaving and um, Diago is that his name? Um, I think so. You know, yeah, kind of kind of jamming this this hard rock music, and he's like, "You turn that off," and he's like, "No, no, this is from Eros, man. This is the, this." And it's like, "What?" So he doesn't understand who's making the music. He thinks it's maybe the people of Eros that are still dying. Um, but you know that that was kind of a weird intro to what's going on in Eros. Mm-hmm. So I have one quick question. Speaking of Eros, are is there anybody left that we know of on the station that's not like dead or did everyone evacuate that was part of the protomolecule conspiracy thing? Uh, 
to my knowledge, we should believe that everybody that was on Eros has been infected and that there is okay. no like normally functioning human being left on Eros. Okay. Right, yeah, there's nobody there watching it because at the end of season one, we saw the Rossi leaving and we saw that other ship leaving. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So now uh, Eros is on quarantine lockdown. Nobody can get in. Um, and just some bad stuff's going on. <laughs> yeah. So, Eric, you mentioned, I think it was you that mentioned before we started recording, uh, a certain scene that you weren't too fond of in this episode. Oh, that was me. Oh, it was you? Yeah. I did not like the whole, let's do a music montage while Naomi dances and kind of put things in place. Okay. I felt like this was like reminiscent of the horrible music scene in which Matrix movie was it? The second one or third one? It's the second one. Second one. Because I'm like, oh, we don't need to see her dancing with the OPA person there. And I I just didn't, I didn't think the scene worked. I mean, okay. I, I want to argue the opposite point. I understand what you're saying, and I would never have hearkened it back to the Matrix uh, rave scene, though now that you bring it up, I, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, but we have to understand, I think, that it it really does develop Naomi's character, though. Up until this point, Naomi has basically been uh, kind of a, a hard-ass yeah, and we get to see now that really at heart she's someone who just wants to live. She wants to embrace living, and uh, and she's also OPA, and so we see her connecting with OPA and that OPA lifestyle. And remember, we were talking about last episode how um, quick it seemed that she literally jumped into Holden's arms. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were talking about how, you know, the height of, of combat and life and death situations kind of accelerates and exacerbates that a little bit. But also that Naomi, you know, we were going to see in the next episode a little bit of development with Naomi that would harken back to that. And to me, that this scene is that that example of who Naomi really is. She's someone who she knows that life is fleeting, uh, which is actually kind of a, a common thing for belters uh, because they have kind of a rough harsh life Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so when she has an opportunity to embrace living and and the experience of life she does it because you have but i would have been okay with the scene if it was just that you know we 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 have her playing handball or whatever they're playing um with uh, fred's um right hand girl there Right. And then they go into the whole dance thing. And it's like, okay, if it was just that, we see them there, they're interacting, they're dancing, they, they move off and they have a discussion about something, great. I'd be okay with that. But they do that and they intersperse that with shots of um, Alex in the pilot seat reliving the battle, um, trying to figure out how he can do it better and not get people killed again next time. And they interspersed a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, this just doesn't feel good to me. It's just They wanted to demonstrate how each of the four people – they're still individual people. Yeah, they're all four people, but it's easy to get bottled in, uh, especially in a lot of the stories that take place in this show and in this series. And even the books do this. They dem- In fact, there's a book where it's basically the whole book is them going off in other directions and, and whatever mm. they're doing with their lives. Because I think it's, it's so 
it's so easy to get trapped in it's the four of them functioning as one unit. We need to see that they're actually also very separate people, especially Alex and especially. Mm. No, I get that. I just didn't like the way they rolled it all into the whole dance music thing with, with Naomi. I just, okay. I didn't think it worked for me personally. If you go back and watch it as I think you've only done three times now. Shame on you. <laughs> uh, I, I think you'll notice if you time it, it's not actually a lot of time. No, but that's the thing. It was such a visceral reaction of me saying, ugh, that it stuck with me. Even though it was such a short piece, Uh, I just did not care for it. I I think it kind of stood out to me when I first saw it, but it's not... Stood out in a good way or stood out as in... It it stood out because I'm I'm not sure, and and I'm going to go watch this again in about nine minutes when it airs on TV, but at the time it kind of stood out, you know, because it... It was I don't know how to say it. I would I guess I would say it's it stuck out in a negative way, but I'm not sure it's a bad scene if that makes sense. I don't listen. I I understand where Lou's coming from. Mm-hmm. And Lou, I am not invalidating your opinion at all. I you, you are mm. absolutely correct in in looking at it that way. I, on the other hand, I take the opposite stance. I think that it mm-hmm. worked as a scene. I think that it it wasn't just a throwaway scene. I think it was something that was important. I think that they conveyed important things about both of those characters very quickly. And again, they were showing, not telling. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I, I think it yeah, was... Yeah, I, I, I guess to me it just felt like a cheat that they didn't, you know, hey, let's do a few things where we're not going to have to do a lot of dialogue. Let's just show it. And we'll put music behind it, and it, it didn't feel like it fit in with the rest of the show, I guess. Well, it, it's kind of a break, too, between, you know, we just had two hours, really, of action and uh, intensity, and then the, it kind of built, you know, spills over into this episode, two at the beginning, and then kind of cools off. But, you know, part of me thinks that that scene really, at, at least to me, it helped me realize that these, that these crew members and, you know, everyone around them, they're all still people Mm. that, you know, have their individual personalities and their individual life outside of what we see, you know, through the main conflict or the main plot. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I suppose. And I think also that because there's so much of a focus on Miller and on Holden and the decisions that each of them are making, it's easy for Naomi, Alex and Amos to come across as what I refer to as backpack characters. The main characters are just wearing them around like a backpack, and they just go from scene to scene with the main character. Yeah, this is a okay. demonstration yeah. to break away from that that stigma. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, one thing I did really like about this, though, um, you know, Fred's right-hand girl there, I, I like the way she thinks when they get done with the whole um, uh, handball thing. She's like, okay, let's go get some hydration. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a wonderful way to hydrate there. It works, works for me. You know, yeah, it's funny that you say that because literally as soon as I saw that scene for the first time, I uh, put it in our Slack channel that I said, I think that there's going to be a scene in uh, episode three that Lou and Joel, who is uh, our one of our Slack members, uh, will really like. So, Well, you know, d- during celebration, we are, we're all down in Orlando. We're going to have to hydrate quite a bit. Oh, so. yeah, definitely. And probably talk the Expanse while we're there. 
Yeah, that'll that'll happen one way or the other. <laughs> so, so, so where do we end up with this episode now? What what was the result? I mean, where, where are we ready for the next one now? That's a good question. <laughs> Eric, do you want to spoil the next? No, I'm sorry. I, no, I, I don't want to cut another one out. <laughs> uh, um, well, it's, uh, you know, as much as we see where Holden's going in this episode and uh, the, the interrogation and questioning of the scientist and the results of that, like we actually get some results, which is kind of nice. We see Miller going in a different direction, trying to find direction, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, decides at the end of the episode that he wants to go back to Eros and he goes to Fred Johnson and says, listen, you know, this is where I'm going. Yeah. Cause he asked him, you know, where do you want to go? Right. I'm going to put you on a ship and get you out of here. And that's where he says he wants to go. Yeah. I, I thought that it was interesting that it kind of called back to the scene from season one where Miller was, uh, first traveling to, um, when he left what series station, he left Sirius Station. Yeah, and was going to... Um, he was going to Eros. He, yeah, Eros. he was going to Eros. And he had the conversation on that uh, shuttle with the um, Mormon guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, because now he's talking to the Mormons about what they're doing with the Naboo, and he's also starting to see um, Julie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that was a big... So, so that should be something we need to keep our eyes on here. He's, is he hallucinating? Uh, you know, what's what's going on with that? Yeah. Um, they didn't give us much detail, but he's seen her, what, two or three times in this episode, I think? Uh, he saw him once in the mirror, and was there any more? I thought there was another time, but yeah, Maybe, definitely saw her in the mirror. I'm not sure. It actually so, might just be once. I want to know, Chris, now that this has happened several times... I, I want to get your take on it, and and Lou and I think probably can't say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what's your take on this? Uh, him seeing Julie pop up in in weird places. Ah, uh, hmm. it it really fits Miller's character and the fact that he's having these hallucinations of sorts. It's not surprising to me, especially given the fact that. You know, when he started investigating Julie, he really latched onto her, and you know, he really likes that neck or that necklace or bracelet or whatever it is—the beads that he keeps carrying around. I mean, to me, it, it makes me worry about the guy and you know his his mental state. Well, something that I've seen some people bring up is the question of: Is he hallucinating and actually seeing her there? Or is he consciously daydreaming and imagining her there? Like, there's a difference. Like, I, I might, you know, think back on uh, my grandfather who passed many years ago. But, you know, and I, I might just think about, you know, what if he were here and what would I say to him and what would he say to me and things like that. So is it that he's hallucinating or is it that he's imagining? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like one's conscious, one is unconscious. One is not controllable, whereas one he's actually choosing to do. Yeah. So he might not necessarily be uh, psychotic. That is true. I don't know. It just... 
the the way that they are making him develop it, it it's kind of it's not scary as in horror jump out at you scary but it's it's psychologically scary and you know you don't know you know part of me you know i i said earlier in the episode that i'm a little upset that the uh, rosie crew is kicking him out but i'm also kind of sympathetic to them because you after seeing what he did to um dresden you know he might do the same thing to you you know you just don't know especially since again like you guys said they've not had that much interaction yet and that's the thing anybody who is reactionary and then reacts from a a unilateral sense of justice Mm -hmm. do you trust him exactly can you trust him and they're not perfect everybody makes bad decisions so even if you do trust him are you always going to be able to trust every decision he makes? Because if you can't trust every decision someone like that makes, then you can't trust him at all. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it does kind of, uh, it paints Miller as a potentially dangerous character. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, that's for sure. Yeah. So one thing before we go, uh, I, I do want to give a shout-out to... Um, all of the people that uh, participated, uh, or sorry, engaged with our uh, live tweet on the Crash Couch last week. Uh, that was really, really exciting for me because I, I love talking to people, especially about, um, you know, things that uh, I like a lot. And The Expanse is one of the things that I really like a lot. So uh, we had a lot of good interaction between... Um, you know, some of the people that work on the show and also a few of the cast members. So, um, yeah. again, I'll be doing that every single Wednesday uh, that the show is on. Uh, in fact, I have it on the TV beside me as we record, and uh, The Magicians is now going off and The Expanse is coming back on. So, it'll be time for that. So, um, And, you know, if any of the if any of the cast or crew, a lot of times people forget about the crew for mm-hmm. these shows. But if anybody who's working on the show and have been following the live tweets and then maybe checked out the podcast as a result, um, if any of them are listening, I just want to say on behalf of all three of us, thank you for the awesome job you guys are doing. Because there is not a single person on screen that I've seen who has been a slouch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also know a little bit about what's involved behind the screen. And with with the level of of i dare say perfection that this show delivers i i can't imagine not being impressed with every single member of the crew as individuals as well so if you are involved in the show and you're listening to this i don't care who you are i want to thank you as an individual for whatever contribution it is that you have to this show Mm -hmm. definitely you're all awesome (laughs) and i mean that Mm -hmm. It's not just the the flu medication talking here. I, I'm. <laughs> I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> Speaking of which, I better go take more medication. <laughs> so next week, uh, what do we have next week? Is it the episode Godspeed? Is that what I saw? I think it's. I think that's episode four. No, I'm so bad with the title. I think it is. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we will be talking about episode four, which is Godspeed. Uh, again, that comes on at ten o'clock uh, Eastern, nine p.m. Central. Uh, oh, that is such an episode! In on, on Wednesdays on Sci-Fi. So, 
Um, you can contact us uh, at a variety of places. We have a slew of uh, social media accounts. First, you can email us at crashcouch at randomchatter.com. Uh, that goes to myself, Lou, and Eric, so we will all see it. Um, you can also find us on our Facebook, facebook.com slash randomchatternetwork. Uh, we have our Twitter. Uh, the Crash Couch Twitter is at Crash Couch. Uh, my Twitter is at The Curse of Chris. The Random Chatter Twitter is at Random Chatter. Uh, Lou and Eric, what are your Twitters? Uh, okay, I'll go first. Mine's uh, at <laughs> Eric Blythe. Yeah, well, you said Lou first, so uh, oh, it's uh, E R I K B L Y T H E. And mine's uh, at Lou Secchi. That's L O U S E C K I. All right, so you can find all of the shows in the Random Chatter Network over at randomchatter.com. Um, if you are interested in other television shows, there are other podcasts that we have that focus exclusively on particular shows. We also have the, the main Random Chatter podcast, which covers entertainment news and discussion topics. We've got several Star Wars shows that are excellent that you should check out. Lots of great stuff over there, so uh, head over to randomchatter.com for all of those. Uh, you can also um, leave us reviews on our iTunes and Stitcher. I don't think we have an iTunes feed for Crash Couch yet, which we probably should get on that. I will check into that, and if we don't, I will get that fixed right I, away. Because I, I think you know we're going to blame iTunes for this because they're really slow with getting podcast feeds and approved and whatnot. We've had problems with that before. so But we will have an iTunes feed soon. Eric, why don't you tell people about Patreon? Okay. Um, well, it's part of uh, it's support for the entire Random Chatter Network. Um, it kind of just uh, it offsets our operating costs and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a small donation group at the moment, but we're hoping to expand it uh, dollar by dollar. And anyone who donates even just a single dollar a month gets to uh, join our Slack community. And uh, that's to me that's a big deal because we've got discussions in there about all kinds of things, whether it be. Uh, Star Wars or or um, The Expanse. I mean, we've got a very lively group in there uh, discussing the Crash Couch episodes and The Expanse episodes. We've got books, we've got television, we've got uh, console gaming, tabletop gaming, uh, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, it's a great way to you know kill some time if you're bored at work or if you're sitting around on the couch at home while your wife's watching something on TV that you don't really care about and you got nothing better to do. It's uh, a very active community, and I tell you what, it's uh, it's it's something that we uh, we as users, the three of us. I mean, I know we're hosts and we run it, but um, I I kind of feel like I, I'm one of the little people there, just because of all the great conversations going on that I, I get to kind of jump in and out of. So I highly recommend checking it out just for that. But really, Patreon is a way that we can uh, that you can help support the network, but in a way that we can give something back to you. There's various different levels there with different perks. Check it out, patreon.com slash randomchatter. The music you hear in this podcast is Welcome to the End, as performed by Cell Dweller from their self-titled debut album, which you can find at local retailers everywhere. Yes, definitely check Cell Dweller out. Yes. You will not be disappointed. So, All right. All right. Well, uh, as always, uh, we will see everyone next time. Uh, follow us on Twitter, catch the live tweets, and um, listen to the show. So let us know what you think, and uh, we'll see everyone next time. Take care. <laughs>